Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm uh, Lori LeBay, the host and founder, and I welcome you to our program today. Before we get started, we're always getting new listeners, so I like to tell people a little bit about Alzheimer Speaks, who we are, what we, and what we do. So, bottom line, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing um, knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those that are diagnosed with um, dementia or are caring for somebody with dementia to continue to live purpose-filled lives. And we can also, through these conversations, help everybody have a better understanding of what the disease is truly like. At our core, Alzheimer's uh, Speaks really believes that collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle. And I know that that's working, thanks to each and every one of you. You see, your likes, your clicks, and your shares of our resources, um, not only the radio show, but our blog, our website, um, our video chats um, called Dementia Chats, where our experts... Um, uh, actually have the disease, um, all of that information that you're pushing out um, to your Twitter tribe, to your Facebook friends, to your LinkedIn colleagues, to your Pinterest peeps is making a big difference. And it got us acknowledged as being the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Share Care and Dr. Oz. I also firmly believe it got the attention of Maria Shriver, who then did an article on us about being an architect of change for humanity. So again, those are, those are recognitions that aren't just us. It's all of us working together. So I thank you for that. I also like to let people know that we, we really like to raise everyone's voice. So if you have a story to be told that has to do with dementia or uh, giving care, or maybe it's research, maybe it's a new product, service, or tool, reach out to me because we'd love to hear from you and see if we can schedule you to be on the radio show so that we can, uh, again, help raise your profile. I also want to um, lastly give out a shout out to Bell Ray Senior Living. I'm going to be there tonight and we are going to be doing a screening of his neighbor, Phil. That's out in Moundsview, Minnesota, starting at six o'clock. And I just absolutely enjoy uh, doing these screenings. The story is very touching of a family and the ripple effect of dementia and how it crosses the border from family and friends to colleagues to community at large and how we can work together uh, to improve lives. Um, and then for those of you that don't know, um, and for those of you that do, I, I just urge you to um, come with us on our dementia-friendly cruise that we're doing November 11th through the 18th. We're going to be going to the Bahamas. I've um, built a really fun and exciting team Four of our team members actually are living with dementia, and their voices will be heard, along with uh, Cindy Lazinski, who is an RN from Colorado and is heading up a dementia-friendly community there. 
and Becky Watson, who is a fabulous uh, music therapist, uh, who will be joining us as well. And again, you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com to find out more information regarding our cruise. It is targeted for people with early to mid memory loss and their families uh, to come together to uh, relax, rejuvenate, and um, build some camaraderie and, uh, and have a fun learning experience all at the same time. So let me introduce our guest today. Um, I am thrilled to have with us uh, Ann Selfridge, who is the founder and CEO of the ACT Care Group. She directs a social adult day program in New York for people with Alzheimer's and other types of dementia. Uh, she provides um, case management also for families to help them link their um, needs to the services that will help them the most um, right in their own backyard. Um, and so welcome, Anne. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It, it sounds like you're doing incredible work. Well, I think we all are. And that's what's so fun about the show is just uh, hearing what's going on. Now, you're lo located out in New York City. Um, which I haven't been there for a while, and I can't wait to get back out there. I, I have a, a stepson who lives out there, and I uh, always see that as a, a fun time to go out there. Um, one of the things that I always like to ask our, our guests um, prior to kind of getting into the line of questioning I have is, you know, have you personally been touched in your family or circle of friends by dementia? Has it, has it knocked on anyone's door close to you? Believe it or not, no, I have not. Uh, fortunately, my family uh, has not been touched by Alzheimer's or dementia. I have a grandmother who's 101, uh, still living, uh, is a little forgetful, but, but not, not exhibiting major symptoms of Alzheimer's or dementia. But my background is working in nursing home rehabilitation centers. So throughout the course of my career, I spent a lot of time with people who were diagnosed and I think really that's what propelled me to become so passionate was being hands-on with them uh, and a, such a large number of people who were diagnosed on a daily basis. And my job was the director of therapeutic recreation. So in a skilled nursing facilities, I've worked in three different facilities all over the five boroughs. And I, I got to experience throughout an eight-year span Many, many, many people who were through the numbers were increasing as the years went on, uh, and just the amount of people that were admitted into the facilities with Alzheimer's and dementia was was so significant that it became uh, such a uh, it had such a profound impact on the way that I was just viewing life in general. So um, after developing programming uh, activities and schedules for them to kind of keep them engaged and keeping their level of independence as as high as possible. Uh, I wound up considering opening a, a day program to kind of create a medium level uh, place for people to go that were a lot of families. They really didn't want to admit their loved ones into a nursing home, but people with Alzheimer's and dementia for, for anybody who has experience knows that they need a really high level of supervision. They can't really be left at home alone without the, the chance of them getting hurt or something you know bad happening. So families, they didn't really know what to do. They could either admit their loved one into a facility, which many people really didn't want to do because that tends to be almost kind of like their last stop um, for the person diagnosed. So I thought that maybe if there was a place that people could go where the, those families can have um, a secure, safe place, where they could drop off their loved one, 
the loved one who is diagnosed can have really positive programming that affects their everyday life and helps them kind of in a way to enhance their cognitive levels, their physical levels, their independence that, that they might present a little bit of a better or just a, a different option for families. So that's what led me to open up a social day program and a very new program, 14 months open. Okay, wonderful. Now, is your program um, just during the day? Because I know that there are some that are starting to provide um, evening and overnight services. Yes, uh, currently my program is, is, is only a day program, but uh, I haven't outruled opening an overnight respite program. Depending upon the need, I'm finding the families uh, so far just for, for in the community that I'm in are uh, very, very happy with just for the day dropping their loved one off so that maybe they can go banking or they can go meet their friends or they can go to their, make their own doctor's appointments. But if there winds up being a need where um, the families would, would like overnight, well, uh, that would for sure be an option. Okay, great. Can you um, share with us in terms of, you know, pulling something like this together as a business is, is no easy feat. Um, how did how did the whole process go for you? Can you can you share with our community what that was like uh, to develop, you know, basically a business plan? And who did you have to convince to, to open up your doors and to find your space and then the whole marketing piece um, of it? Sure. Uh, that's a really interesting question. A lot of people, uh, they, they love the program and they see what's going on, but they never really think about what it takes to actually operate something like this. Uh, when, I, when I first considered that this might be something I wanted to do, uh, the first thing I did was, was to call up the, the state operators and uh, find out who was linked with the social daycare program in New York State and what would be the rules and regulations necessary for me to follow to run a comprehensive program and would I be actually in a standing or a position that I was legally able to do something like this. Uh, so that was my first step. And then after going through a set amount of trainings where I educated myself on the rules and regs, I realized that I was, I was really more than qualified in terms of my, my experience to run a program and everything worked out legal wise. So then came the next steps, finding the funding, which is always the most difficult part because to run something on this caliber, to run such a really, uh, a good quality program. It, it needs money to back it. So uh, my mom, I had throughout the, the course of all my career years, I told her just all these stories about families and things that I'd seen in the nursing home. And she thought that maybe I had a chance to kind of make a little bit of a better impact for families. So she cashed in her life savings and she, 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 she she's funding ACT right now. And she, she thought that maybe if I worked hard and I was just given a platform that, that things might be going be, be a little bit better for people with Alzheimer's. So the funding I think was, was the first big challenge was to see if there was a way that I was going to actually be able to pull this off. And even to this day, uh, month by month, the, the checks come in for the services I render. It's very difficult to keep everything stabilized and, and quality starting off as, as a new business and kind of independent. I stand alone. Um, I don't have any hospital backings. I, I don't get any community uh, funding. I don't get any uh, city funding. So right now it's really difficult. It's kind of it's a pulling a rabbit out of a hat. But with, by the grace of God and, and this great community I'm in and the families that, that actually attend is actually keeping the doors open right now. So the funding was the first part. Next was the space. Actually make sure that the space is, is, is a, a great space for a program and, and just the little challenges that you wouldn't even believe that that arise on a daily basis that 
before they even arise, you just have to make sure that you have the most optimal safe space because safety for this population is such a huge challenge. So that, that was my, my next mission is to find the space. And then uh, I didn't have a business background, so that, was, that poses a little bit of a challenge. So I did a lot of reading. I got mentors. I uh, looked for any organization that was going to give information about uh, business mentorship, whether it was us in, for us in, in New York, we have a big presence of SCORE, Small Business um, Association is, a, is another great organization. So I just tapped into their resources and, and found any information I could that, that I couldn't locate on Google. And, so I did a, and then I started going to a lot of community meetings and, and seeing what other business owners, so some types of, of problems that they're encountering. So I could kind of, I believe it or not, I watched them. Um, there's a, a NBC's The Profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. Mm-hmm. And The Profit is a, a, a TV show about um, a gentleman who comes in and tries to fix biz- small businesses that are failing. And I watched every single episode of that series. And I saw the common mistakes that most businesses were making that uh, that were ultimately leading to to the failure. And I made sure that I didn't did not make those mistakes and that before I got to a point where I, I was kind of in a position where things were going bad, if I could troubleshoot and kind of was informed about what common problems most businesses have, if I could put, put uh, systems in place to kind of avoid that, uh, that was a huge help, believe it or not. So um, I, I just, it's a constant learning curve. Even now, I, I things that I think that I, I, that I would never even think would, would come as a problem do. And then I have to troubleshoot. And I really just every day know that is a new day, not to be overwhelmed and, and make sure that I do everything properly, legally, not trying to bend any corners and, and, and do the best that I can. Well, that's wonderful. That's, uh, you know, kudos to you. I, a lot of times people give up, you know, halfway through their dreams because it's just, it's too complicated and you can hear the passion in your voice and the determination and, and how nice, I mean, for your mom to take that kind of risk um, shows how much she believes in you and in the need for the services. That's just absolutely incredible um, for her to do Thank that. You. So thanks mom for, uh, for allowing, yeah. for allowing that, Ann to do that, this. A great driving force, too, because for, for her to go that far, I mean, she works her whole life, people work their whole life, and for her to, to make that type of investment, to me, this failure cannot be an option. The, the people need the program. I have to pay my mom back a lot of money. So every day is just you get up and you do what you have to do, and if it gets stressful, you do not complain. And you just look at the positive, and I, I wound up making sure that my team, my staff, very good people. They have morals. They have compassion. They have uh, teamwork, morale, and I think that really, really is, is is the driving force of why I'm able to pass that year mark of staying open and then continue on towards the year and a half mark is because the staff and the teamwork and the way that we're running the program is such at a high quality because they're good people that really want the best for, for our participants. And we really create a very stress-free zone. We want the, the participants to be happy. We know that they're going through a lot of troubles. We know they're going through a lot of life changes. And we just want them to feel good. And aside for, from them getting out of the house, there's so much more to what goes into the ACT program and the way we develop our day and our schedule. And I can't tell you, the families are so thankful. And, and it's just, it's so 
re- refreshing to see really positive families that, that come and they want their loved one to be happy. And if they're not able to pay for it, it with the insurance, they're reaching into their pockets and they're, they're pooling up their money so that they can pay for something like this so that their, their families can go out because at this time I, I don't have any funding. So it's, I have to, it's a, it's a fee for service and it, the, the, Difficulties and the challenges are, are high, but we're making it work. Mm-hmm. Now, it, does ACT uh, stand for something? You're... It does. It stands for Adults Communicating Together. Okay, Adults Communicating Together. Okay, wonderful. Can you tell us some of the um, programs that you do? Because you're, you know, your focus really is on, on you know, uh, this social aspect, which I think most adult days would think that they are, but how how are you differentiating yourself in terms of that social piece? Because you're actually stating it in your title, and most people just go by adult day because that's what everybody does. Um, so, what so, what are you doing different, and why? So, um, the way that this program is working specifically is that we're incorporating a lot of different elements into our schedule. The program is a four-hour program, and it's very structured. It's very regimented. Uh, the participants will come in. It'll be a, a very 10-minute uh, to 15-minute small independent window where everybody will arrive. Everybody goes to their seats. Typically, they sit in the same seats each session, and they'll have a little cup of coffee. they have a little snack of fruit. they have a, little, a muffin, a piece of cake. And they'll get comfortable. We get everybody that do their small talk. Good to see you again. And then right away, we, we go right into our programming. So each day, we start with a, a Pledge of Allegiance that calls the group to attention. A lot of the participants, they remember our pledge. And then we sing God Bless America. And then the group knows, all right, session is going in, into play and, and the program is beginning. So in the beginning portion of our program, we focus a lot on our cognitive um, skills and abilities for, for the participants and what makes our program, I think, a lot different than, than most anything I've seen in the Alzheimer's dementia field is that we use a lot of education, uh, re-education techniques. So we, we use a lot of um, programming that maybe lower grammar school students would use, uh, special ed classes, to, to kind of get the participants thinking. So in our group right now, people with Alzheimer's and dementia are participating in math, science, language, uh, reading comprehension based upon different subjects. They're doing uh, word association, word repetition, filling in blanks, synonyms, antonyms. Uh, they're really being challenged on a, on an educational school level. And that, I think, is really significant because this is a brain disease that affects people's cognitive abilities and also attention spans. So when we get them to sit down, and to focus on an exercise that is based around school development for children, and they're able to complete these tasks, I, it's, it, it blows me away each time. So that's our beginning portion of the program. It's really based, based around a lot of education. But after that portion is finished, that's not the, the only way that we get their attention, is we do a lot of physical exercise. Everything is re- led by a group leader. There's direction. There's um, assistance. There's one-to-one if it's you know needed and necessary, but we do a lot of upper dexterity, lower dexterity, hand-eye coordination, following directions, counting, repetition, and we get some of their energy out because people with Alzheimer's and dementia, they typically have a lot of bottled-up energy, and they they have an arena and they have a platform where they're able to express and get some of this out. It really it changes the way that they interact with each other, the way that they feel about themselves, and the way that their 
symptoms are managed. Uh, so that's a big portion of our program. We also include art therapy. They love to do art programs and they love painting. They love doing crafts. Uh, and then a lot of music therapy. I have bands that come in. We do karaoke. We do dance parties. If, if the energy is, is through the roof and I can tell everybody's who's in, in what direction and everybody's all over the place, a dance party will typically solve that. I have to go by their, their energy and by the way that they are feeling that day. But because our group is so regimented and our schedule is so, is so defined, they're used to what we do now. So they come in and they expect it and they expect that we expect results from them and that we give them a challenge and we give them a little bit of, of something to rise to the occasion. And once they're given an opportunity, they, they're, they're taking it and they're, they're doing really, really well. So when I see them, somebody who at home, their families are having a hard time dealing with them, but they maybe come to act and they're dancing and they're having a great time and they're remembering the salsa and they're, they're remembering their moves and or they're sitting down and they're doing basic addition and they're doing subtraction or basic multiplication and they're completing something and they're feeling proud of themselves, their symptoms kind of subside and they, they do a lot better and they just really get a, a much better sense of their individuality back. And that's, there's just seeing that is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. Have you had any pushback by doing the Pledge of Allegiance? I just think of, you know, it's out of the school system now. And I, I, I know I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Um, but it just seems like we've gotten so divided over some, some, some things in our country. And, and yet, um, that is so embedded, especially in that, you know, age category of something to sure. be proud of. Have you gotten any pushback on that? Or I, I wouldn't well, think no, so. no, mm -hmm. not, not from, not from the participants. I have a lot of people that attend who are veterans that are very proud, very nationalistic. And I have a lot of, uh, um, the people who, they, like you said, their age, their age range, when they were younger, embedded into them the, the Pledge of Allegiance and, and this is protocol for each day. So no, it actually makes them very proud. And there'll be people who don't speak for the majority of their day and they're nonverbal almost all the time. And we start singing God Bless America and their attention is at full, at the highest it could possibly be. And they are singing, they are vocal, they are expressing. And they're singing with power behind their voice because they're proud of their country and they're proud and they know, and this is something that they understand. Mm -hmm. And to me, just watching them, that's something that has not left them. And that stays that that's even for people who are, who are end stage that remains with them. Yeah. I, so I, I encourage I, it for them. The, despite anybody's political view that that's walking into my place, whether they're my staff or the volunteers, we're looking for what's best for our participants. So think, if they're going to be happy to pledge of allegiance, then we're going to encourage that. Yeah, I, and I think that's true with a lot of like religious prayer, um, or even songs from, you know, when we were when we were small. You are my sunshine, and and things like that. Um, and that can be, I, I know for you know my own mom who had dementia. Those, you know, songs and prayers were routine and and just something built into the day. And, you know, she grew up with them. She passed them on to us. The grandkids were part of it. I mean, it's just part of who who they are. And um, to be able to, you know, allow them to recall those memories of joy and pride, um, I think we'd be doing them a disjustice by pulling those out because someone doesn't politically align. 
um, with it. Yeah, of course. Because it really... And it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it should be about their joy and their comfort and um, yeah, keeping them calm. We're, we're proud to be American here. We're happy. We're, we, I mean, we're in a place where we have really great opportunity, and I'm, a, I'm in a position where I can open up a social adult daycare in New York, in America, and we, we're given a platform for people to actually improve how the disease management is, is folding out. So, I mean, we're really happy to do it. And you, you mentioned uh, You Are My Sunshine. They sang that three times already today. I mean, they love that song. Yep. <laughs> they love, love, love that song. Yep. Do you do any intergenerational um, activities, you know, with, with your people in your in your day program? We do. Uh, we do. We don't do it often only because of, of the way that, um, the school is set up mostly for students and for younger kids, and the way I'm in a, a like a commercial area of, of where I'm located. So, but we do um, link up with a local dance a local dance school, mm-hmm. and their students come down and they dance for our participants. And then we'll all have a lunch where the students will sit in between my participants. And they'll talk and they'll, um, you, you know, just exchange ideas and, and stories. And it's really, really great. And I also have um, very close friends who have young daughters that are um, seven and eight that often during the summer they'll come and volunteer. And they absolutely love when young children come. And then currently in the summer, as, as we have it now, I'm working with um, summer youth so that the summer youth come in and, and they get the hands-on experience under the leadership of the ACT team, but then they also get to work with the participants themselves. So we have a lot of um, diverse ages. I think as young as, on a, on a daily basis, so as young as 16, and then our oldest participant is 100. So, and we have everybody else in between. My staff, I'm in mid-30s, I'm 34. My staff, uh, a lot of them are in their 20s. One of my staff is in her 70s, so uh, another one in their 40s. So it, it's the age range just fluctuates in so many different levels. And I think that that's so important because we all learn from each other. My younger students are teaching, my younger staff are teaching the older staff about the tech. The younger students are talking to my participants about their life experiences. The participants are asking the students about what the school system is like now and what their challenges are trying to get to college. And every time there's a milestone from one of the kids, the participants encourage them and they become kind of almost like adopt a grandparent kind of, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the people are forming friendships and, and, and bonds. And it, it's really, it's such a beautiful thing. Sometimes I wish if I, I had unlimited funding, there's so many things that I could, I could do to expand that I think back to that business portion is the hardest part is giving the best platform at all times. And of course, everything costs money. So I'm building so slow, but I'm building at a pace where with the, with the resources I have, it's, it's excellent. I'm, I'm very proud, but also in the future, I could see so many things I can expand in to make this program better. So that's a challenge for me each day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. I like the diversity. I've got some of the pictures that you shared that you know shows the dance group there and and uh, on the blog, so people can can go ahead and check that out. I also um, put your video that just kind of has you um, talking and explaining about uh, your program as well on the blog. So please feel free oh, thank to, you. to check that out as well. Um, can you tell people, you know, because costs can really limit people in terms of even 
thinking, you know, should I apply? What can I do? So, you know, is does insurance cover the social adult day or, um, you know, how, or do they have to pay private pay? How, how all does that work? If you can kind of give us that in a nutshell. Sure. Well, what I'm finding is the hardest part for people to keep their loved ones in the community is actually having the resources to pay. Because uh, we're running a day program is excellent, but also the participants have to go home. So what are the options when they go home? Home care. So Medicaid in the United States right now and in the U.S., from my understanding, I don't think that Medicare covers social day or day programs, but Medicaid does. Mm -hmm. So Medicaid, I know, has a lot of stigma attached to it and a lot of opinions about Medicaid, but particularly in New York, because not every state's Medicaid program is is the same, but luckily, fortunately, in New York, New York has an excellent, excellent Medicaid program for people who need managed long-term care. So when families get to a certain point where they need uh, extensive care for their loved one, and they're Medicaid eligible, chance, the chances of them staying in the community are very high. Medicaid will cover a few days for social daycare. Medicaid will cover a significant amount of hours weekly for home care. And Medicaid will supplement everything that Medicare does not in terms of um, specialists, dental, um, transportation. And when there's a Medicaid-Medicare combo and families are able to, to access that, then they have a pretty, pretty good chance of staying in the community. However, there's many families that are not Medicaid eligible because they have a pension, they have Social Security, they have a monthly income, they have assets, they have savings that exceed the amount that um, that would, they would be able to, to um, apply and successfully get Medicaid. And it's unfortunate because families have this idea that saving their money and, and having assets and having city jobs that grant pensions will be something that helps them in the future. But what I'm seeing is that it actually goes against them Mm -hmm. when it comes time to uh, figure out what the end of life care is going to be like, or or just, and right now it's not even end of life care. People are developing Alzheimer's and dementia very young. I have participants who are in their early sixties and they'll be able to just carry this disease for, for years. So it's not even end of life anymore. And it's, what to do with families like that who well, they they can private pay and private pay is an option but once you mix social day which is affordable but then home care which is really really in in more of a, a necessary demand for hourly wise because i have the program with the set fee but when they go home what about the overnight the wanderers who are getting up falling out of their bed walking out the door turning on the stove hiding the things in the house I mean, shuffling back and forth, I mean, the, the, the list never ends. So I'm, I'm finding that many families, they just don't have options. And I think that as, as a unified team, because the, the first thing that caught my attention when, when you were mentioning about the show is that it takes a comprehensive team to face this problem. And that couldn't be more accurate. I think that we really need to put on the table that maybe Medicare should look more into covering what what Alzheimer's and dementia uh, people who are diagnosed, what they need. And right now they're just not getting it. So the families having to quit their jobs and take care of their, both their kids and their parents at the same time. And then the caregiver stress level is 
through the roof. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. And there are options for people who aren't on, or aren't Medicaid eligible to explore. But most times the families are so busy that they don't have the knowledge or the power to, to, to find out what these options are. And honestly, I'm just learning them now because my, my background is running a program for Alzheimer's and dementia. That's, that's my skill. But on top of that, now I'm learning how to run a business and then also now how to direct the families in the best way possible so that their entire financial future doesn't get screwed up. And, uh, and like I said, I'm just learning, learning, learning. And it's, it's a difficult task, but uh, each day I get more information and more knowledge and, and find another way for another family to, to sustain. And, and little by little, it's working. There are programs also around that receive grants through either the Department of Health or through um, maybe their local uh, agency of um, of aging, depending upon, or even their, their borough president, their local communities. But unless those programs are really developed very properly, a lot of money just kind of falls through the cracks and are being wasted on things that people think kind of are working well and should be working well. But then in the end, the family doesn't change the fact that the family's still at home with no help. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little bit difficult. It's very frustrating at times. But in, in New York, Medicaid is is the golden ticket for long term elder care at this time. Okay, and if if people have a um, a private policy um, for long term care, is that um, is that does that apply to all adult days, or is that specific? You know, in terms of because I've heard mixed reviews on long-term care plans in terms of what they call something um, when they wrote the policy versus what they might be called in today's uh, world. Is that? Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, to be honest, none of my families, not one of them, and I, I have a lot of families that walk in and out of ACT, um, had invested into a long-term policy. So it seems like, and now I'm thinking about it now, it seems as if like somebody who does, doesn't start investing at a younger age more and and put money into it uh that when it comes time that they need it like say somebody somebody can't start investing into it now and so a lot many people just didn't have the foresight like hey when i get older i might need the care so none of these fam- not there's not been one of them that have a long-term care policy i do know that they do cover social day but you're telling me more than i've heard yet which is that some of their contracts are, are worded funny so i'm mm-hmm. sure i'll run into that at some point yeah. Okay. Well, sounds sounds good. That's helpful for people, people to know. Can you um, tell us in terms of resources that are available for care partners in New York, um, you know, to help families um, care for their loved one with Alzheimer's or or dementia? Do you help um, help them tap into other things besides just your your ACT Adults uh, Day program? Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty much involved with any organization in the New York City area that's that has an Alzheimer's dementia mission. So we work a lot with Caring Kind New York City, which is a, a break off of the Alzheimer's Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Alzheimer's Association is a national program. Caring Kind, uh, they broke away from national, now standing alone in New York um, as a branch of Alzheimer's dementia not-for-profit care. So uh, they do a lot, a lot, of, a lot of work with with the families, and then I also work with an organization called Presbyterian Senior Services, which received a grant through the New York State Department of Health, and they have, uh, I think, received um, 
money for a five-year initiative to service the five boroughs of, of New York City. So I'm working with them uh, to, to kind of see what what we can do together collaboratively for the families. So they have actually partnered with me to keep one of their social workers on my site uh, three days a week for the families to come in and utilize. And she's, her name is Christina, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we work together extremely well. If I need something, she's always there to help and vice versa. Where we kind of just do a lot of grassroots marketing to let the families know that there's options that exist for them because a lot of them just are, are really unaware they just don't even know that these programs exist. They're so busy. So um, I work a lot with them. I work also with NYU Langone on their, um, they have uh, Alzheimer's Caregiver Initiative as well. Uh, also with Columbia Med Medical Center, we work with them as well. So uh, we refer, refer a lot to their neurology department and their top neurologist. And we just recently did um a filming over there because we do an educational filming for the families and their leading neurologist was our feature uh, speaker. So, I mean, we're, we're in the community. We're, we're all over the place. Anything that we can do to help. I find a lot of the, the organizations center around ACT um, and I find it as like a common ground because we're actually running the program for the people diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And many of the programs that I just mentioned are for the caretakers themselves. So it winds up being a good collabo because these organizations can help the caretakers themselves and then also go a step further and present an option for the families for the actual person diagnosed by sending them to a program. So, I mean, it's, it's new the way that we're build, building everything over here uh, piece by piece, but we're certainly a lot better than we were, you know, a year ago. Well, that's wonderful. And I, I love the collaborative efforts. I, I just find that really refreshing and, um, that is something I felt has been lacking for years with um, profit versus nonprofit and and um, being able to to work jointly together and um, well even the for profit I was finding see, to me I, I like I said when you mentioned that teamwork effort and that that should be the strategy I, I said that the, the, those words cannot ring more true so I, I'm always like to work with the next person see what they have available how can we learn from each other and even the non for profits. They weren't even linking up. I think that in the beginning, there was kind of like before I, I started connecting with everybody that I, I'm meeting and working with now, there was kind of like a, a feeling of, oh, I'm here to help the families. Oh, I'm here to help the families. Oh, I'm here to help the families. And then if you look at it, we're here to help the families. It kind of makes things a little bit easier for everybody. So my first step was getting everybody at a table together. Let's talk. Let's meet. Let's sit down. Let's create an alliance. Let's get your social worker to meet with this social worker, to meet with my crew. What can we do to better this? And I think that we've linked so closely together um, at the bottom level and the people actually out in the communities and there's social workers who are just assisting each other with information and then helping the families. And I mean, I do a lot of referrals because the families find out about ACT and they call me. So I refer a lot to these agencies and I know so much of the stories because I spend so much of my time getting to know the families that I, I know what they need. And I can just say, hey, look, can you help in this way? And they want to help so much and they want to do so well for the families. So I think now as we're, we're building that we're creating a wider impact since we've aligned and we've formed an alliance, it's a, it's a lot better of, 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 of a reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think that that's a, a fantastic thing. And 
when people can let go of feeling like they own um, a particular arena instead of um, that's when the walls go up, I guess, is when when people feel that proprietary and you can't you can't talk to them because they're mine. And, and, you know, people are everyone's and, and the community should be there to meet the needs. And I think that's, exactly. you know, when we work together, um, we stop duplicating what's out there and start developing what's really needed. And um, and I think that that's a huge, huge shift and a huge change. Um, and it, it also reduces um, the public sphere because they don't feel like they're crossing the line or, you know, um, hurting anybody's feelings. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on with that kind of mentality. And so it's very, very important um, for us to work truly um, together, you know, as a, yeah. as a whole uh, for, for the betterment of the community. And, and I think that that's a really, really neat thing. Um, what would you say to a family who is maybe on the fence with looking into um, placing somebody into a, um, a social adult day program? What would you say to them? I really just let them know about what we're here to offer. I, I sometimes feel like I'm the worst salesperson because I don't like to put pressure on people. Mm-hmm. I, I, Of course, I want you to come to the program, but I'm not going to make you do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to pressure you to pay for it if you're not Medicaid eligible. I, so I, in the beginning, it was a little difficult for me like to find the balance, but then I realized that I'm doing the families a disservice by not just letting them know exact, and that's what I just keep it to. I let them know exactly what we offer, exactly the way that the program works. First thing I'll say is you have a pen and paper ready. I'm going to give you every detail that I could think will be helpful to you. If you have any questions, stop me. At the end, I'll answer anything that you might need, and I'll help you find every resource that you can get. I spent a lot of time on the phone with families, giving them a lot of free information that people charge families to 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 supply and as I'm finding it I'm giving it to them and 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 it to me their comfort so I just let them know like we're a comprehensive program we try to make things as easy as possible for you I like I explained before about how we run the program I give the logistics about the way that the program is managed in terms of our schedule and the activities that we offer and the curriculum we offer and then I also let them know about the round-trip transportation because we provide pickup and drop-off, which is huge for so many of the families. They love that that feature. And we'll be able to pick them up, drop them off, and ensure their safety the whole way to the best of our ability. Uh, I, we provide a full lunch. They're, they're, we focus on their nutrition. We like to make sure that they're going to eat. We know that at home they're not eating the same way that they might normally eat um, when they come to act because they're in that social setting. So I just let them know really what we offer and then that pretty much explains itself once once I tell them tell them the way that the programs run they're all very 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 interested and I always offer a free trial for the families there's no charge whether you're private pay Medicaid eligible I will work with you I don't have the families have a set amount of days that they can attend there's not a, a minimum requirement I don't try to get people signed up for things that they don't want. I bill, if it's a private pay, I bill at the end of the month based upon the amount of days that the family came. Um, very simple in, in the way that that the families can choose how they attend. Because I don't want to, um, 
And if they find another program's better than this program in terms of their family's particular needs, I don't lock them into only having to attend my program. I mean, essentially, this is a program that's designed to make caretaking for families easier. So once they kind of hear all that, they're very inclined to want to come try that free trial. And then once they try the free trial, they're really inclined to want to send their families because the atmosphere is so positive. So, um, I mean, it's 14 months I've been open. I, I, I was in that space, just me alone, when I when I opened. And, and now, you know, the, the room's full of energy and, and love and, and feel good. So, yeah, I, I, I thank God every day. Okay. Well, wonderful. Um, I really appreciate the work that you are, are doing. And um, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? They can uh, go to actcaregroup.com. So that's www.actcaregroup.com. Or they can email act, A-C-T, cares, C-A-R-E-S, act, cares at gmail.com or they can call 718-442-7467 and any of those ways they'll be able to get in touch with me directly okay well that sounds fantastic well thank you again for spending the afternoon with us really appreciate it and um you know i I look forward to uh talking with you later on down the road as you probably expand it sounds like you're doing a wonderful service in your community and um we're just always glad to hear that and, and to help raise your voice out there. Thank you for having me. This has been a really unique and cool experience. Well, good, good. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to wrap up here um, sharing some highlights with you. Um, for those of you that are new to Alzheimer Speaks Radio, um, know that all of our past shows are archived. So, you you know, we've got like six years worth of shows. You won't run out of things to listen to. Um, Again, I want to remind people too that that dementia-friendly cruise is coming up November 11th through the 18th. And our specials um, for pricing are probably going to be going out the window here pretty soon. So you're going to want to get your down payment in and uh, and get your cabin booked. Um, It's going to be an exceptional time and it's really going to be an awful lot of fun. Uh, you may also want to check into our dementia chats, which are video um, interviews I do with those with dementia. And you can find those on alzheimerspeaks.com. And then just go to our initiatives and projects page. There, there's a, um, a tab for dementia chats. It'll show all the ones that we have done. Um, you'll be able to access uh, information from the radio. You'll find information on the Purple Angel Project Um, If you're interested in um, hosting a screening of the fabulous dementia film, His Neighbor Phil, there's information for you there. Again, I will be out at Bell Ray Senior Living tonight at 6 o'clock. And um, July 31st, I'm going to be at Silver Creek on uh, Maine out in Maple Grove, Minnesota. And uh, a little later this month, I'm going down to um, Boca Raton and we'll be speaking down there as well. Uh, There is also uh, a great article called Mom's Not Acting Herself, and it was written by uh, Dr. Sloan, who has a fantastic book out that um, it will help people in terms of caring for a loved one. If you have a loved one who um, may uh, wander off or you're worried about that, I would highly encourage you to go to 
the um, call alert center uh, forward slash dot com call alert center dot com forward slash caregiver and there you can get a 20% discount by putting in the code ALZ speaks promo 20 ALZ speaks promo 20 um, and it's fairly inexpensive I want to say it's like $15 a year um, to be able to put your information in, and if they would ever go missing, um, you would get electronic information um, pushed out very quickly, like in 10 minutes after you call, and they work closely with the police as well. Um, also, uh, there's a tab under our initiatives and projects for memory cafes, uh, so go and check that out. There's over 330 of them now in the U.S., which is absolutely fabulous. And you can also get our helpful tips when dealing with dementia, which is a trifold um, from me. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, click on our front page there uh, that talks about that, and I will email that to you. But um, that's just something we've developed over the years. Anyways, have a great summer, and I cannot believe July is um, almost over here. We're going to be talking about fall and winter pretty soon. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk next week. Bye, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors, from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.